0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. SILAS MARNER, THE WEAVER OF Ravelo BY GEORGE ELIOT CONCLUSION. There was one time of the year which was held in Ravelo to be especially suitable for a wedding. It was when the great lilacs and laburnums in the old-fashioned gardens showed their golden and purple wealth above the lichen-tinted walls, and when there were calves still young enough to want bucketfuls of fragrant milk. People were not so busy then as they must become when the full cheese-making and the mowing had set in, and besides it was a time when a light bridal dress could be worn with comfort and seen to advantage. Happily the sunshine fell more warmly than usual on the lilac tufts. The morning that Eppie was married, for her dress was a very light one. She had often thought, though with a feeling of renunciation, that the perfection of a wedding dress would be a white cotton, with the tiniest pink sprig at wide intervals, so that when Mrs. Godfrey Cass begged to provide one, and asked Eppie to choose what it should be, previous meditation had enabled her to give a decided answer at once. Seen at a little distance, as she walked along the churchyard and down the village, she seemed to be attired in pure white, and her hair looked like the dash of gold on a lily. One hand was on her husband's arm, and with the other she clasped the hand of her father, Silas. "'You won't be giving me away, father,' she had said before they went to church. "'You'll only be taking Aaron to be a son to you.' Dolly Winthrop walked behind with her husband, and there ended the little bridal procession. There were many eyes to look at it, and Miss Priscilla Lammeter was glad that she and her father had happened to drive up to the door of the Red House just in time to see this pretty sight. They had come to keep Nancy company to-day, because Mr. Cass had had to go away to Litherley for special reasons. That seemed to be a pity, for otherwise he might have gone, as Mr. Crackenthorpe and Mr. Osgood certainly would, to look on at the wedding feast which he had ordered at the Rainbow, naturally feeling a great interest in the weaver who had been wronged by one of his own family. "'I could have wished Nancy had had the luck to find a child like that and bring her up,' said Priscilla to her father, as they sat in the gig. "'I should have had something young to think of, then, besides the lambs and the calves.' "'Yes, my dear, yes,' said Mr. Lammeter, "'one feels that as one gets older. Things look dim to old folks. They'd need to have some young eyes about em to let em know the world's the same as it used to be.' Nancy came out now to welcome her father and sister, and the wedding group had passed on beyond the red house to the humbler part of the village. Dolly Winthrop was the first to divine that old Mister Macy, who had been set in his armchair outside his own door, would expect some special notice as they passed, since he was too old to be at the wedding feast. Mister Macy's looking for a word from us," said Dolly. "He'll be hurt if we pass him and say nothing, and him so racked with rheumatiz." So they turned aside to shake hands with the old man. He had looked forward to the occasion and had his premeditated speech. "'Well, Master Marner,' he said, in a voice that quavered a good deal, "'I've lived to see my words come true. "'I was the first to say there was no harm in you, "'though your looks might be again you, "'and I was the first to say you'd get your money back. "'And it's nothing but rightful as you should. "'And I'd a said the amens and willing at the holy matrimony, "'but E's done it a good while now, "'and I hope you'll have none the worse luck.' In the open yard, before the rainbow, the party of guests were already assembled, though it was still nearly an hour before the appointed feast-time. But by this means they could not only enjoy the slow advent of their pleasure, they had also ample leisure to talk of Silas Marner's strange history, and arrive by due degrees at the conclusion that he had brought a blessing on himself by acting like a father to a lone motherless child even the farrier did not negative this sentiment on the contrary he took it up as peculiarly his own and invited any hardy person present to contradict him but he met with no contradiction and all differences among the company were merged in a general agreement with mr snell's sentiment that when a man had deserved his good luck it was the part of his neighbours to wish him joy as the bridal group approached a hearty cheer was raised in the rainbow yard and ben winthrop whose jokes had retained their acceptable flavor, found it agreeable to turn in there and receive congratulations, not requiring the proposed interval of quiet at the stone-pits before joining the company. Eppie had a larger garden than she had expected there now, and in other ways there had been alterations at the expense of Mr. Cass, the landlord, to suit Silas's larger family, for he and Eppie had declared that they would rather stay at the stone-pits than go to any new home. The garden was fenced with stones on two sides, but in front there was an open fence, through which the flowers shone with answering gladness, as the four united people came within sight of them. "'Oh, father,' said Eppie, "'what a pretty home ours is! I think nobody could be happier than we are.'" End of Conclusion An End of Silas Marner, the Weaver of Raveloe, by George Eliot this recording completed october 18th 2006 by rachel ellen in yosemite california